Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you're tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids. Leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcast, and follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and Twitter at TCK underscore pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, y'all, we live. We finally turned the corner on episode 200. Man, that was quite the marathon. Two episodes of over an hour, hour to 15, hour and a half. I appreciate everybody tuning into those. Thank you for helping us celebrate and bring in a pretty monumentous uh, movement for us here at the TCK Pod. So for everybody that was a part of the 200 episode, thank you, gentlemen, for uh, collaborating and everybody listening and subscribing and participating. We appreciate you. But now it is time to focus on episode 300 coming up sooner than we think, man. Lucas Kayser back in the place. Lucas, how you doing, brother? Doing good. I'm ready to finally – I've been saying every time – I feel like every time we come into an episode, I'm like we're almost past <laughs> something. And I think now we are finally in the clear past the rookies. Not that 200 episode was a bad thing, but we're past the – now we can just be full redraft, full actual NFL player attack mode for now. Yes, sir. And I'm, I'm ready for it, man. It's been a lot of work for you and I behind the scenes. As we did mention uh, last episode, we had a couple of uh, announcements, right, with the draft guide coming out July 6th and then the TCK Pod Listener League also um, becoming eligible to uh, submit your application for that on July 20th. So we're still a ways out now, but those are definitely things to look forward to. And Lucas and I are working very hard behind the scenes to get those wrapped up. So, okay, man, we are going to jump into a new series here for the next four weeks. Uh, we're going to do quarterbacks this week, running backs next week, wide receivers and tight ends following that. And essentially what we're going to do is we're going to break down the fantasy schedules for each position. This week, again, we're going to do quarterbacks. So we're going to do the quarterback fantasy schedules today. And we're actually going to three episodes a week now. We've turned the corner on 200. We're doing three episodes a week. So today is Tuesday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we are going to be breaking down our quarterback rankings as of May. Of course, these are early, and these are going to be updated and changed throughout the summer. But we're going to give you our first official initial rankings for the quarterback. And then on Thursday, we're going to just kind of kick it back, man, and we're going to do a mock draft, um, which you and I don't do a lot of here on the on the channel as of now uh, because we're very kind of analytics and statistically based. However, we're going to relax a little bit, man, and uh, just have some fun with a mock draft on Thursday. So stay tuned with that. And, of course, we will do that for the next three weeks after that with the remaining positions. Without any further ado, man, let's jump into this. We have the 2020 schedules have come out for the NFL. Therefore, they've also been uh, – you know, looked at and um, decided on who has the best preseason, of course, schedules for fantasy. Now, a lot of sites are going to be a little bit varying. Uh, we're going to have different opinions. Anything can happen. Somebody could get injured. The defenses could get better. Defensive coordinator schemes could get much better. We don't see that happen. Last year, for example, the Chiefs were absolutely horrendous for the first half of the season. The second half of the season, they were one of the best secondaries in the league, and you could no longer guarantee your quarterback to start against them or your receiver. So those are the things we're going to be diving into today and for the rest of the month. Let's kick it right off, man. I'm going to start here up at the top really quick and just 
give everybody really the, let's talk about the 10 easiest schedules right now for fantasy and then the 10 toughest for quarterbacks. And then we're going to break down what this means for drafting. Okay. So we're going to get your opinion here in just a second on when you're drafting a super flex or redraft regular single QB, do you even consider schedules and do you consider the first half of the schedule, the middle part of the schedule, the playoffs for fantasy in case you make it there? When does that all come into consideration with you? And before we get into the 10 easiest and 10 toughest fantasy schedules, I'll ask you right now, when you're drafting any format, do you actually take into consideration the quarterback schedule? And if so, why and how? I think, well, obviously yes and no to both sides. Obviously we last year, um, I don't know, like week maybe 10, we were, we foreshadowed the playoffs with sort of scheduled maybe guys you should go get that that always comes into play obviously that is that shouldn't come into play necessarily when you're drafting because I say it all the time on whatever podcast I'm on you have to make it to the playoffs to compete in the playoffs I don't worry about that unless I'm like locked in loaded to me it more so bases my research in terms of how I look at the schedules Um, I'll probably give a couple sort of maybe throw in spots where like this actually made a decision for me, but for the most part, it kind of just bases my research or maybe retools my thinking about how I think this team might operate. Um, Cause teams do look at these things. Um, I use Warren Sharp. He is like a consultant for NFL teams. He has his own site. That's the site I use. Um, very, very, very analytical number based guy, betting guy, everything. So teams do pay attention to this type of thing. Um, so they find the strengths. So I think it's just more so of a indicator than it is a decision maker, you could say. Yeah, I agree. And I take the same same considerations. And we're going to get into this here as we go along this episode and the rest of the rest of the positions because I do think it's important. However, I think there's kind of a you know, there's there's certain circumstances. Like let's take Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. If you like those quarterbacks in general. You're drafting them early, and you don't care, frankly, what their, what their schedule is for the season. Now, as you go week to week throughout your season, and you're looking to bench a guy here, a bye week there, a bad matchup, whatever, those are week to week decisions. But I, I don't imagine anybody is going to sit here and tell me that because Patrick Mahomes has the 31st, you know, the second worst, I should say, um, fantasy schedule, that people aren't going to draft him because of that. Now, I will say, spoiler alert and a little bit of a preview to to tomorrow's episode with the rankings, I may take that into consideration when I'm actually handling a ranking. But as far as not drafting Patrick Mahomes because he has a tough schedule, there's no way. He's still Patrick Mahomes. However, some of those bottom-tier guys, those second-round quarterbacks – or sorry, second-tier quarterbacks, third um, bench guys, the streamers, that's when I definitely take into consideration uh, the schedule because I think that matters um, when you're looking at the first four games and the playoff schedule. Also, as we go through the season, which you all will obviously see when we did from last year, we'll start previewing the schedule probably around week 10 or so for the playoffs, and you'll start seeing those so you can start getting ahead and streaming those guys ahead of time. But preseason, not too worried about it. All right, man, without any further ado, let's jump into it then. Let's look at the 10 easiest quarterback schedules for fantasy. I'm going to run them down from easiest to least easiest first, and then we'll, we'll start talking about them. So we have the chargers at number one, they actually have the easiest passing and, or, you know, easiest passing schedule and rushing schedule in the NFL, which is good news. So we'll talk about that obviously more next week. So the chargers, the bears are number two, the Vikings are number three, 
Brady and the Bucks, number four. I like that. Arizona and Kyler Murray, number five. Drew Brees and the Saints, number six. Colts, seven. Redskins, eight. San Francisco, nine. And the Rams at 10. So again, this is passing defenses. We have the Chargers, Bears, Vikings, Bucks, Cardinals, Saints, Colts, Redskins, Niners, and Rams. So right on the surface, man, what does that tell you about these teams? It kind of, not necessarily breaking down after I looked at the schedule, like when the schedule first came out and I went on Warren's site and sort of did my first run, it kind of evened out the bottom end of quarterbacks, if that makes sense. Obviously, we'll go in, into tomorrow's episode. There is a couple higher guys that I think are just going to explode due to they're already good and on top of their schedule. But look at guys like Tyrod, who I think would have been a borderline borderline streamer. But as long as he's a starter, I think he's easily a starter. Nick Foles, I think he's easily going to be a starter now. So I could just kind of like – I was making my rankings the other day, and it was kind of tough to establish post my like top 15 because I'm like all these guys are good. They all have – well, some have easy schedules, some don't. But then there's always like different factors that play into it. So I think a couple will stand out a lot. Brady, obviously, I think jumps off the page. We'll see if he can move over offenses, kind of maybe knock off some some years on his age a little bit and get his arm back, you could say, with the easy schedule. Nick Foles is a big one. Uh, Tyrod slash Herbert, I don't know if I'll buy in too much because they might be switching quarterbacks or there's just a lot of stuff going on there. But then if you go on the flip side of the 10 toughest, I think it kind of throws a absolutely not drafting, but you still have to rank them accordingly spots. Absolutely. And you mentioned guys like Tyrod, Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins is up there, number three with the Vikings. Um, we mentioned Brady, Kyler, and Breeze. Phillip Rivers is down there, a streamer. I mean, he's not even getting drafted in most redraft leagues, certainly not in Dynasty. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, assuming that he's the actual starter for the Redskins. And then Jimmy G, who is a later round QB, um, especially in, in single QB. And then Goff, who's kind of hit or miss. You don't know what you're going to get. A lot of those guys, though, like I'm saying, in, in single quarterback redraft leagues, this gives them a boost for me in rankings because that allows me to be like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's a better situation than I previously thought. Then if I'm looking at a second quarterback or a third quarterback, or I'm in a super flex league where I have to have three to four quarterbacks minimum, um, all these guys start jumping way up my rankings because I know that again, the first couple of games minimum is going to be easier, quote-unquote. Now, obviously, all that shit is in perspective. We get that. But it still does give a nudge a little bit to that. I highly encourage everybody, really quick, I'm going to pause and give a shout-out to um, Chris Benavides of the Commission Fantasy Football Podcast. We have to give him, you know, we have to give a shout-out every single podcast somehow. But he did a great breakdown on his podcast, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, when yep. the NFL schedules came out. And it didn't so much have to do with fantasy football. It was more about NFL football. But he did a great breakdown on the actual importance of an easy versus a tough schedule and does it actually matter. I think he did a fantastic job breaking it down and basically came to the conclusion more or less that it doesn't really matter on the NFL side. However, in fantasy I think it's the contrary. I think it matters a lot more in fantasy personally, but go check out Chris's episode there at the commission fantasy football podcast. He did a great job breaking that down and give you a little more perspective. So I love these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. Let's jump to the other side and then we'll start breaking down these, these schedules with the first, you know, first four weeks of the season for some streaming options. And then we'll look at uh, some of the, the easiest and toughest defenses overall to give some perspective as well. So we talked about the 10 easiest quarterback schedules 
um, for the fantasy season right now. That's the Chargers, Bears, Vikings, Bucks, Cardinals, Saints, Colts, Redskins, Niners, and Rams. Let's jump to the other side. These are the 10 toughest quarterback fantasy schedules right now. So this is from the toughest to a little bit easier as we go along. So we have the Giants, Daniel Jones. We have Joe Burrow and the Bengals. We have the Jets and Sam Darnold. Houston Texans, it's already tough for Deshaun Watson, I think, and it gets a little tougher there. Tennessee with Tannehill, Jacksonville with Minshew, Miami with Fitzpatrick and or Tua if he gets a chance this year. The Las Vegas Raiders with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. And then we have Philadelphia with Wentz and Hurts. And then Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson. So again, Lucas, I'll get your first initial reaction on when you look at the toughest schedules, what does this tell you about these quarterbacks as well? Yeah, like I said, these are these are indicators, not decision makers. So a guy like Deshaun Watson having the toughest schedule, that might be where I still have him ranked, where he probably should be ranked. That might be an indicator to not draft him or just not mess around with it because there is the tough schedule because the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, a couple other guys on here. Uh, well, Daniel Jones to touch on, he's a really, really tough start to the season with uh, Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Francisco, and the Rams. So he's one of those guys where really just don't even draft him. Maybe, maybe super flex, but don't even draft him because he's just going to get dropped if someone else drafts him, if he puts up two mediocre games anyways. And then you can go into after week four, his hardest um, opponent in terms of passing efficiency for the defense is the Ravens in week 16. But besides that, it's pretty average or he has some, some boom games in Cincinnati and the Cardinals, et cetera. And I guess another thing I didn't mention too for a tidbit is all these numbers and these rankings are based off of yes last year, but you can't quantify new free agent or new rookie signings. So like, for example, the Bengals are going to be really off the charts, easy defense, but they went out and they got three corners and two defensive linemen to fill their biggest needs on defense. I'm not saying that they're going to have a stellar defense, but there's no way to physically quantify free agents without seeing them play. So that's something to keep in the back of your head too, because I think that most people know the big name uh, moves or big name signings like the Patriots they might have an easy schedule and it might seem like their offense might not change but it could change because Brady left but you can't quantify that um, so just kind of keep that in the back of your head when you're doing your rankings your your drafts um, and a couple other guys too just from this list Burrow basically this means to me I'm just not going to draft him I don't really know if I wanted to mess with a rookie quarterback anyways but a tough schedule just I'll move on somewhere else Sam Darnold I probably wasn't touching him anyway uh, he has the eighth easiest run schedule, though, for quarterbacks. Obviously, that applies to running backs. So, Le'Veon Bell boosts that up a little bit. But, yeah, I think it's just – it's – I don't know. It's it's tough to look at 10 toughest because, like we said, um, the, the Chiefs last year was the prime example. I remember we we almost touched on that every single week because people would ask us, can I start, I don't know, Corton Sutton against the Chiefs? And we're saying no, not, not Corton Sutton maybe, but like a certain player against the Chiefs because if you actually break down the numbers – they are really good at home versus away. Um, so I think just, yeah, just don't take into context more so than just the, t- the toughest run schedule. And I'm not nothing against CBS Sports. This is just one site. Every other site can be different too. So, yeah, I think Watson and I would say Burrow are probably the two biggest takeaways from this. I agree. Uh, quick question, uh, Lucas, while you're rolling here. So you're talking redraft. I'm talking redraft. Let's, ta- let's shift the dynasty really quick. Um, do you take any consideration to schedule when you're when you're thinking dynasty? Not really. I don't. I don't think so. Um, the, really, the only way I think you could tie it into it is 
like veterans maybe you're buying in the middle of the season with easy schedules to maybe win your league. There's not really a way to decide that. Um, I don't know. Because, like, well, I did a video the other day about how I wouldn't want to draft Marquise Brown in Dynasty Startups because I touched on the Ravens' run schedule for this year, but it's more of a confidence thing in terms of Hollywood developing as a player because they brought in two new receivers. So he kind of needs to solidify himself as the one, but if they're going to run all over teams, can he really do that? So yes and no. You can kind of make up narratives maybe to certain players, but to me the strength of schedule and the breakdown of the matchups and all that is like strictly redraft. Obviously like in season in Dynasty, like yes, look at schedules, look at their matchups, like who you'd play which weeks, but don't like – avoid Daniel Jones because he has a tough schedule this year when the man's 23 years old or don't avoid Joe Burrow because he's playing the toughest schedule this year like I said it's a dynasty for a reason um so I would say the ultimate answer is no but in some circumstances or narratives yes so you're talking maybe the older quarterbacks the Brady the Breeze the Rivers yeah like maybe they have maybe you I don't know just hypothetical say your quarterback is Joe Burrow and Sam Darnold you have a good young team and maybe you're six and one, like, well, I can probably win the championship. And you, someone's, some team that's one and five has Tom Brady. Maybe Tom Brady is the easiest fantasy playoff schedule. Like, then go get him. But say he has the toughest, there's not a point to waste your future picks on a guy with a tough schedule, which probably wouldn't help you in comparison to your other players. I like that. So, as far as the toughest schedules here, um, there's, you know, a bunch of these guys are kind of in that, um, you know, later draft. So, you have a couple different mindsets when you draft quarterbacks, right? And we're going to go over these and talk about these more in depth with rankings tomorrow and, and then the, uh, the mock draft on Thursday. But, um, you know, Daniel Jones, Burrow, Darnold, um, Tannehill, probably Minshew, Fitz, Carr, or Mariota all those guys are like way deep in your draft. Those are 10th round plus maybe 12th, 15th round. So you're, when you're, when you're, when you're flipping coins with those kind of guys, and you're also talking about Tyrod Taylor, Foles, Rivers, Jimmy G on the other side who have the easiest schedules to start. That's when I start making decisions right now. My rankings may not reflect reflect overall. Um, Let's say somebody like, you know, Tannehill uh, behind like a Nick Foles or something like that, but it's something that I consider when I'm drafting, because that might be a better thing to start with. And again, Lucas touched on it. Some of these quarterbacks with the tough schedules and they're getting drafted late anyway, you know how fantasy redraft is. People draft Daniel Jones, not knowing his schedule situation. He comes out of the gate. Lucas mentioned it, but one more time, it's Pittsburgh uh, at Chicago, the Niners, and then at the Rams. Yeah, you're, you're not starting him in that situation. And, and if you draft him as your only quarterback in redraft, though, you're going to start him. And if he is not very good, he's going to get dropped. Jameis Winston last year was, we all know, 5,000, 30 30 touchdowns, whatever. He was so extra incredible because people picked him up off the waivers because he wasn't amazing every single week. Ryan Fitzpatrick over the years turns it on every once in a while, but he's dropped because he's not consistent. So if these kind of guys are getting dropped, they're free on waiver wires. You can go pick them up then as the schedule gets better. And as Lucas mentioned, Daniel Jones specifically has a really tough start to the schedule, but his playoff schedule is juicy AF. So if you can like punt him for the first six games, pick him up later and sit on him to see what happens, he might turn it around for you and be a league winner. So some of these guys all just take perspective on when you're drafting, but these, the schedule for me does not determine necessarily the entire season and who I'm going to draft 
for sure have on my team overall, but it does start helping. As you mentioned, it's an indicator of who I want to draft over one other guy. It's definitely something on draft day that I take into consideration when I'm picking someone over someone else. Two names, uh, three names, really, I want to mention um, with the toughest schedules. Again, just like we mentioned with the easiest schedule over here, you're drafting Brady, Kyler, Breeze, and Goff anyway, but then you're looking at Tyrod Foles, Cousins, Rivers, Haskins, and Jimmy because they have the easy schedule. On the flip side, you're drafting Watson anyway. People are drafting Carson Wentz, but I've, I've been loud and clear that I'm not into Carson Wentz necessarily. But then Russell Wilson sitting here at the 23rd toughest schedule. He's still Russell Wilson, dude. I'm all about it. So those are guys that you're drafting anyway, but the rest is people on this list I would probably be hunting. All right, let's turn the page a little bit, man, and let's focus on, let's like narrow in on the first four weeks of the season. Um, if you want to bring up playoff schedules as we go along, if it pertains to certain players, feel free to mm -hmm. jump into that. But I really do want to focus on the first four weeks of the season, and here's why. Again, if you're streaming a quarterback, the first four weeks is what you care about, period. Because if I draft, let's see, I'm going to take Nick Foles, who has the easiest schedule overall, as we met, or second easiest overall. He has the first easiest schedule um, in the first four weeks. He's at Detroit without Darius Slay. He's got the Giants at home. He's at Atlanta, who we just don't know if their defense is going to show up for the first time in three years. And then the Colts, who got shredded last year. So Nick Foles, who I'm not super high on, has the best schedule. And then you have Jared Stidham as well. Miami at home, at Seattle, which isn't going to be easy. But he's got the Raiders at home and at Kansas City. We'll see what happens there at Arrowhead. So that's another option to stream. In the first four weeks, I'm looking at who has the best schedule for the first at least one, two, three. And then in that fourth week, it's really a deal breaker for me. If they succeed through those first couple of weeks, I can keep them and continue streaming. If not, I just drop them and pick up somebody else. Lucas, what do you learn in the first four weeks specifically? And again, um, anybody maybe new to fantasy football in general or not really paying attention per se, the NFL season is 16 and 17 games, right? The uh, fantasy season is 12, 13. If you're not playing week 17, which you shouldn't for your championship. So at least not yet, I guess we'll get into that in a couple of years, but right now it's, it's 13 weeks. So four weeks is a third of your season. If you go 0 and 4 in your fantasy league, you can still make damage, but you're going to be in a, in a tough spot. So what do you learn in the first four weeks of a fantasy season? Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that obviously by, by league type, whatever, but like I'm a big proponent on like I I said I'll probably say it so many times you have to make the playoffs right like it you the way I look at it I can play in a hundred leagues and I feel like I'm pretty good at fantasy football I can make the playoffs in eighty of them say I don't I don't know an actual rate but but it's all luck once you're in the playoffs it is it's it's completely luck it's a one week game you can drop your whole team pick up best matchups they hit you win the week win the uh, win the week in the playoffs. So that first four weeks, one, like you just have to win, obviously. Two, I think it just sets a statement in terms of the trade opportunities that arise for that. I think from week four to five, you see the biggest turnover in terms of when players, when people start to realize, like, holy crap, I'm 0-4. We have three 4-0 teams in my league. I need to make a trade. I need to do a two-for-one trade, et cetera. So I think that first four weeks is when you can really capitalize on, unless you're drafting your top quarterback, you're getting him at a good price or whatever, but you're just getting a top guy. These first four weeks are when you can really capitalize on investing those other picks into handcuffs, into, I don't know, two or three tight ends. One of them will break out. Maybe maybe just another receiver running back and just go get, like, for example, we'll just start off breaking it down right away. Nick Foles has the easiest schedule. 
when you look at his, um, he has a number one pass efficiency. The Sims are all numbers in terms of efficiency for the defense coming into this year. Like I said, you can't quantify free agency moves, but you look at the teams he plays. Detroit at Detroit on the road in the dome. The team that just lost their number one corner. So the first, so Jeff Akuda, the guy they drafted, is going to be trying to cover Allen Robinson in his first game, possibly without a training camp. I mean, like, so there, like, I'm not saying Jeff Okuda can't do it because the man's going to be a lockdown corner in the NFL. He's a really good talent, but that's just another thing to throw into there. The Giants, yes, they got James Bradbury, but it's still the Giants. They still have work to do. Um, they have a new defense, a new coach, a new scheme in week two, and that's on the road in Chicago. Then you go to Atlanta, a team that has A.J. Terrell that just lost um, Desmond Trufant as a rookie. That's in a dome. The Colts is at home. That's not in a dome, but it's a home field advantage for a team that their corners were so bad, they had to go get Xavier Rhodes, who was, like, I think not even in the top 50 in coverage in P- PFF last year. So I'm not saying Nick Foles is a – I mean, like, you just can't deny that Nick Foles, who I think is going to just bring another efficiency level to this offense, he's probably going to be one of my, like, whatever, 16 rounds or whatever standard redraft is. He'll probably – who I'll just snag right away. Or a strategy I like to use is if you don't like any of the – like never reach and redraft. Never reach and redraft. Always play the values. In Dynasty, you can reach because it's just Dynasty. You get your guys. Foles could be a guy where you don't even draft a quarterback and just pick up Foles for the first four weeks and then figure it out from there. I do that strategy with kickers and defenses. I just don't draft them anymore because by the time you draft – well, depending on when you draft. Most drafts, I'd say, are about three weeks before the season if you had to set like an average. You can figure it out in three weeks and just stream week one for kicker and defense then go to week two go to week three so I think it just plays into a lot of strategies um for him he's the one that sticks out the most to me because I think if he wins that training camp battle if there's a training camp or wins the battle obviously he has to be good or else he wouldn't win the battle and I think that team's just gonna they'll they'll see the momentum they have so I really like that there Stidham I no matter how good that schedule is I just don't think on the road at Seattle and Kansas City on in terms of like numbers on paper is good I just don't think I'd be about it um Miami, yes, but they also got three new corners. Uh, one of them was the second-best corner in the league last year. So maybe that'd be a close game. The Patriots fans would be all sad. Then they go into Seattle. Like, how how attractive is that? Uh, like I said, Tyrod, I don't mind that. Cincinnati, Kansas City, Carolina. Uh, on the road at Cincinnati and then at home for two games. I think I don't mind it because he's probably going to get 30 to 40 rushing yards a game. So he'd be a low-end guy. Um, I have him ranked at like 33 just because I think Herbert's eventually going to be the starter, but I think he'll be a guy I'll probably be drafting or picking up. Uh, and then we don't have to go through all the top 10. But I think I think the Foles is the biggest one that I think people aren't going to want to buy into because at the time when you're drafting, who knows who the starter is? So you could just pick him up for the first four weeks and ride out. Um, I, I don't know if you have like a take on what is like the – 18 points is what I shoot for from a quarterback if I'm streaming. I don't know if you have like a set number you like or – yeah, well, I mean, twenty is a good round off, but it, you know, then it depends. It then it depends on do you have the six six. I personally prefer to play six point passing yep. touchdowns. Yep. I mean, I get it. I understand. I understand the whole quarterback rushing is you know adds such a a difference maker. Blah blah blah. Like I understand all that. I'm just saying, like an NFL touchdown six points. A quarterback throwing a touchdown should be six points. Now. In leagues where – I'm going to break this down in my rankings, but in leagues where it's a four-point touchdown pass, uh, guys like Lamar Jackson get the edge. Guys like uh, Josh Allen get the edge. Um, Garner Minshew even get the edge there. 
Uh, whereas, you know, in six-point leagues, you know, um, a guy like Nick Foles, Jared Stidham probably, uh, Jimmy G, you know, those kind of guys get the, get the edge because they don't run as much. <clears throat> so I would say 20 is definitely something I shoot for. But, I mean, as gross as it sounds, and I am, like, not a Nick Foles fan as a player, um, seems like a really cool guy. Uh, I listen to Lewis Howe's podcast, who's the School of Greatness is a fantastic lifestyle podcast for anybody out there who's interested in it. He had um, he had Nick Foles on a, a couple years ago to talk about the Super Bowl and his his ride through injuries and the Rams shit show and everything else. Seems like a great dude with a great story, and I'm rooting for him as an individual. But as an NFL quarterback, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the the Bears until they prove me wrong overall. However, what Lucas just said, I couldn't agree with more, and here's why: if you get Nick Foles for free, like literally last draft pick. You have 16 rounds, which is a pretty average um, draft. You get him in the 14th, 15th, 16th round, whatever. Maybe grab somebody else just in case, like a tie rod for the first couple of games. And you play both those guys for free. You're going to potentially get a top 10 quarterback each week for nothing. And then you can kind of make the moves throughout the season on who is actually producing and who isn't. And as we know in fantasy football, guys always come out of nowhere and guys always fall off. So if you have a veteran or you have a, 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 rook, a, you know, a running back that takes off that you don't believe can handle it for the rest of the season, you trade him for maybe a, a better veteran quarterback, any of that kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff where you can just like build these guys up and maybe make a little bit of trade bait. So I like that call a lot, man. Um, Foles, Stidham I am worried about as well just because we don't know what we're going to get. Tyrod I think is a steal. I like Herbert, of course. Um, and then Jimmy G. You know, I, I'm not excited about him as our 49ers quarterback as a fan, but in fantasy, I mean, he'll be fine. Jimmy's issue is, is the ADP, which we'll get into with rankings. But as far as like – Game to game, he's he's not going to lose you a week. He's not going to win one either, but uh, he'll be he'll be pretty steady for you. Another couple guys I want to mention really quick and just run down this list. So Buffalo, Jacksonville, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Green Bay. These round out the uh, ten easiest first four weeks. So within that, we have Josh Allen, we have Gardner Minshew, we have Russell Wilson, Big Ben Roethlisberger, who everybody's forgot about. Uh, we have Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. So again, I want to mention these are names you're probably drafting anyway. It gives them the edge in the first half of the season because, or the first chunk of the season, I should say, because they have that schedule. I'm going to turn over really quick and just focus on um, the bottom 10 fantasy defenses from 2019. So what this is, this is just kind of a list of the worst pass defenses in fantasy football from 2019. Now, Lucas just mentioned, a lot of rookies have been drafted. A lot of uh, holes have been filled. Teams like the Chargers, who were the worst pass defense last year in the league, might be top 10 this year. So this is obviously with a grain of salt, but I want to put some perspective on this and throw out some names in there. So if your quarterback is up against these guys for the bulk of their season or you play some of these in your division where your quarterback's playing them at least twice a year, then uh, you might want to target them. So the worst in this pass defense is um, – Again, so pass yards allowed in 2019, worse in the league was the Arizona Cardinals. Then the Lions, the Buccaneers, the Texans, the Giants, the Seahawks, the Titans, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Colts. The overall worst defenses 
were the Chargers, Dolphins, Bengals, Raiders, Cardinals, Broncos, Cowboys, Lions, Browns, and Bears. So what that tells me is unless they filled a bunch of holes, which I know the Chargers did, but unless those other teams filled a bunch of holes, they're still a target in the passing game. Uh, mm-hmm. Lucas, when you're streaming quarterbacks specifically, again, if you have a Mahomes, um, you have a, a, a Russell Wilson, you know, a Dak Prescott, you're playing them every single week anyway. You're not really worried about the matchup per se, unless it's really bad like New England last year or something. But when you're streaming a quarterback, how much do you take into consideration the defense uh, that they're playing? Yeah, I kind of have like a sort of a process about that. One thing, too, the top three you read, Chargers, Miami, and the Bengals, like perfect example, the Chargers are significantly upgraded. (laughs) Yeah, the best slot corner in the NFL. They got Chris Harris, Desmond King's back from injury. They got Kenneth Murray. So, like, I'm not saying that they're not going to have like an elite defense. They could, but then I'm not saying like avoid that in Miami. They got three new corners as well as Kyle Benoit and Shaq Lawson, I remember. And then Bengals, like I said, they had three. They literally took the Vikings corners and now they're on their team. So it's just like to show that that can completely change around. But in terms of streaming a quarterback, so I weigh in matchup, but there's not really a way to like look at a weighted matchup. And what that means is like any, any way you slice it, you could look at the points they allow in, in domes, indoors, that's weighted. So there's different ways you can weight it with like maybe it was raining, it was indoors, it was in November, in October. So like I kind of like there's different ways to sort of approach that. Uh, but a couple things I think that just in general. So the over-under of the game, uh, higher over-under means it's projected to be a higher scoring game, which means fantasy points. Uh, if you go to like sports books, really anyone, the, the passing attempts line for the quarterback, obviously you want to hire, say, I don't know, Mahomes is – 40 and a half projected passing attempts to Nick Foles, 28 and a half. Like, obviously, like, it's a bad example, but you'd want to go maybe Mahomes if you're sat in between two people just because they're supposed to throw the ball more. And then probably the last thing would be when it comes down, like, when it's when it's said and done, the probably, like, the line of the game, normally you would want to look for a lopsided game in some cases. Um, you would want to look for a team that's coming from behind that has to throw the ball. Obviously, there's the outliers, like, the one I can think of is like Jimmy G and the Saints when they went to like 45, 44 last year. Like the line was close. The defensive matchup was bad, stuff like that. But it was so high scoring that it didn't even matter that like everyone was scoring type thing. So there are those games. But I think the the over-under and the passing attempts, I think are the two things. If it comes down, like it's said and done, you don't know what to do. Just base it off that. More than likely you're going to be right with who you decide to play. Obviously you can't project touchdowns. You can't project interceptions, like all that stuff. But – when it's said and done, those are the two things, maybe three that I would put my decision on. A conversation for another time, maybe, and I'm not sure if this is terribly left field, so pardon me if it is, but just thinking on, like, again, streaming quarterbacks. Really quick, how much do you consider weather as we go through the season? Obviously, yeah, September, October, pretty much nationwide, other than maybe some rain, you're fine. But November, December, January, as we start hitting the fantasy playoffs, uh, play, you know, the East Coast, uh, the North with Lambeau Field and those non-outdoor or non-dome teams, um, how much do you consider the weather really quick with, with streaming? I think, I think I used to care about it too much is my answer for that. Um, like with wind, everyone freaks out when the weather report comes out an hour before game. Oh, there's a 20-mile-per-hour wind. But the wind has to blow a certain direction. So – for example, I remember one game. It was the Bills-Eagles game last year, and I sat Josh Allen because it was super windy. Ended up throwing for three touchdowns because when the wind was behind them, they were just airing it out. So there's kind of – that was probably my fault for not thinking about that, but I think everyone else kind of had the same mindset, and they think that, oh, it's super windy, it's bad. 
rain, yes. I think rain plays into it. But you have to keep in mind with snow, too, those fields are heated. Those players aren't cold. They're cold when they get out there. Then they're on a heated field. There's so many balls going through towels in between each play. Like, obviously, it's wet and all. But when it's said and done, I don't think it affects it. Obviously, it's probably less points per game just because it is. But when it's said and done, I don't think there's much difference to it. And for some reason, I find that snow games sometimes, like, help. Um, like the prime example last year was the Chiefs Broncos game. I know that was like week 12 or th- like it was a prime, like you will make the playoffs if you win this week uh, out of 12 or 13. And it was a complete snow game in Kansas City. Like you couldn't even see like the numbers on the field. And Mahomes threw for like four touchdowns, like because it just didn't matter because the ball was dry, like the field was warm. Um, so I, I don't know if anyone sat Mahomes, but like that's an example of people probably could have in the biggest week of the season. So I think I would just not worry about it too much like if it's if it comes down to you go through the over-unders the attempts like it's like pretty similar maybe that's your decision maker but not a whole lot great I agree with you all around there I think 30 miles an hour with the wind is something to really start to consider no matter what because they're just not going to throw the ball um and as far as the rain goes like if it's heavy rain the entire game it it starts to become a problem but I agree with you snow just frankly doesn't matter um, for the most part. Now, there's visual issues. There was that big uh, Bills and Jets, I believe, a couple years ago. Yeah, and Shady at the OT. Yeah, there was like two feet of snow. And I remember mm-hmm. watching on Red Zone that they were like kept tuning into the game because it was Red Zone. <laughs> but like they never actually scored. I don't think yeah. they scored much until the very end of the game because they just couldn't actually get that far. But anyway, that was a sludge. But otherwise, I, I agree with you. All right, man. So to wrap up the easiest schedules for the four weeks and get into the toughest – streamers of this group i'm looking at Foles and stidham and tyrod taylor definitely in two qb leagues super flex leagues but even in single quarterback if you're really desperate and you've punted all the way to the end of the draft Foles, stidham and tyrod i think are good options there also jimmy g arner Minshew, um and big ben don't forget about big ben if he's healthy he's got at the giants denver at home and again, without Chris Harris and Houston, and then he's got at Tennessee, which I don't like at all, but those first three games are going to give us a great idea of what version of big Ben we'll get this year. So those streamers I like a lot earlier picks who you're going with anyway, and you're extra stoked about because their schedule came out and they're a top 10 easiest schedule. Josh Allen, love that. Russell Wilson, my dog, Dak Prescott gets another bump, which is ridiculous. And Aaron Rodgers. let's not forget about Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be playing with an extra couple of chips on his shoulder this year. Uh, in Green Bay. So I love all those. All right, man, let's flip the script here on the toughest four uh, weeks to start the season. So again, uh, I'll just start with the the toughest and go down the list here really quick, and then we'll get your feedback. So the Giants, we mentioned Daniel Jones, rough. Um, 32nd, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, rough. And here's that really quick. So at Houston to start, that should be a shootout no matter what, but they should run the the Texans. Not worried about that, especially at home. Then they get at the Chargers. Again, very improved defense. The Chargers dedicated their entire offseason to combating with the Chiefs on defense. That's an in-division game. Those games are always nasty no matter what in the AFC West. I think the Chiefs win the game overall, but that's going to be a very, very interesting game in week two. After that, at Baltimore, I think the Ravens actually are going to possibly smoke them. I just got a hunch. And then New England at home, again, Bill Belichick's going to have something for for Mahomes. So he's the 31st. You're not not drafting Patrick Mahomes. But again, spoiler alert, that might be why he uh, gets edged out up at that top spot. Number 30, 
Houston Texans, again, pretty tough at Kansas City, Baltimore at home, at Pittsburgh, Minnesota at home. Those are all difficult matchups. And then Detroit, Cincinnati, New York Jets, Washington, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and Philadelphia round out the toughest first four weeks. So, again, not the overall season schedule, but the first four weeks if you're going to stream. I got a handful of names here I'll go over at the end, but let's, uh, Lucas, turn to you here. We just talked about how much we value the early schedules with streaming and everything else. How much do you value it when you're streaming or you're drafting maybe super flex quarterback three or four and or in um, redraft leagues, your second quarterback, or even, again, if you've missed out, how much do you value a tough first four weeks when you're streaming quarterbacks and drafting late? Yeah, I think, like I said, an indicator. Uh, I think that's the biggest word for it. I think that basically what this would do for me when looking at this is I just wouldn't take Watson. Um, obviously, I mean, I'll just say my ranking for him. I have him at six ahead of Josh Allen. So I think in the long run, I think that Watson's stat line – because when you make rankings, you're making stat lines. You're not making the order you would draft him in. You're not making the strength of schedule. Like, you're just kind of making maybe why he would fall behind the other guy due to X reason. I think that Watson's going to have a really slow start. I think that opening game in Kansas City, I just think they're going to get – just destroyed. I think that, like, it's not even going to be a game. I think it's going to be terrible. You got a whole new offense for the Texans, no Hopkins. The Chiefs literally brought back every one of their defenders plus the new rookies. They just won the championship. It's Kansas City, one of the loudest stadiums, and they just won a championship. I think that game's going to be terrible. I think it's just going to be just a shootout for the Chiefs, not for the Texans. Then they come in with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Minnesota. But all Baltimore did in the offseason and the free agency was just bolster their defense and they added Patrick Queen. So the defense only got better on top of what probably was one of the best defenses um, in, in front seven anyways and secondaries. Pittsburgh's defense is always good, no matter who they have, which way you slice it. And then Minnesota, not that their defense is like elite, but they just always keep the games close. So I think Watson, I'm just going to be completely out on. Um, obviously, if I can get him at a good value and then pair him, like a good pairing might be Watson and Nick Foles or something like that. Um, I just think I would say not reach on him. Uh, for example, from weeks five to 17 uh, on Warren Sharp's site, the, the pass efficiency defense ratings and strength of schedule, um, you can kind of tie this into with uh, Daniel Jones. The Giants are two. The Texans are seven. So they, they bump back up after the first four games. And then the Bears drop all the way down to 28 from weeks four to 17. Or I guess I probably should do – sorry, five to 17. Probably should do 5 to 16, but it's about the same. Giants are 3, Texans are 9, Bears are 27. So a good pairing, like I said, Nick Foles and Watson, that could be something that you could run with in, like, best ball leagues or something too. But, yeah, I think it's just – it would just throw a red flag. I know on our rankings we make, like, do not draft, sleeper, bust. We'll do all that stuff still, so we'll probably go through that before the season. Um, and then you scroll on down. I said it earlier, like, Joe Burrow, just stay off of him. I know that people are going to like him. His, his ADP is definitely going to be high. Just don't do it. Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins, all those guys that you're hoping for a bounce back, but just leave them on the waivers. They might have a good matchup here or there. Um, I'm trying to Tannehill. I'm going to be off Tannehill anyways. We'll break that down in terms of just an efficiency and touchdown rate perspective anyways. Uh, and Wentz, we're both in agreement. We, we think Wentz is a good NFL quarterback, but we will never draft him in fantasy. Uh, I just don't draft like any Eagles players really in fantasy that much, but Wentz is just for some reason – never on any of my fantasy teams and it'll probably stay that way this year i agree and i hope for carson wentz's sake and for our sake maybe in the fantasy football industry in general that carson wentz comes out he's healthy for 16 he's a top three quarterback and he kicks us right in the face yeah. i hope that happens but 
so far it hasn't. So until it does, I'm, I'm, we're going to stick to our guns on that one. I'm with you, man. I'm going to punt all those quarterbacks as well. Um, let's go to the top 10 defenses and uh, then I'll go back to kind of listing these guys out and how we feel about it. So the top 10 defenses, again, from 2019. So just as we said about the easiest defenses and the worst defenses for 2019, these defenses could have gotten better or, frankly, they could have gotten worse. So let's go through it really quick here. So the top 10 defenses from 2019, I'll jump over to the uh, least amount of pass yards allowed. Least amount of pass yards allowed last year. San Francisco 49ers, number one. New England Patriots, number two. The Chargers, so we mentioned they were the 32nd. They were the worst overall defense last year because they got run on and stampeded every single game, but they were already the third best passing defense. And now they pick up uh, even better weapons in the secondary. So they're going to be nasty. They're one of my favorite DSTs, PT dubs for anybody that cares about DSTs and fantasy. I like the Chargers a lot. Then we got the Buffalo Bills at number four, Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears. Denver Broncos and Dallas Cowboys to round out the top 10 least pass yards allowed in 2019. Jump over to overall defenses really quick. Number one, Patriots, as we know, by a long shot. Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, which I think was surprising for me to see right there uh, when I was gathering all this. San Francisco, Baltimore, Minnesota, the Rams, New Orleans Saints, also a little surprising. The Jets, surprising as well. And then Tennessee, who I actually thought was going to be higher on this list overall. So when we look at those teams, Lucas, what uh, what can we gather when you're you're looking at, again, overall team uh, scheme? And then do you have any, um, you know, maybe mentions on any of these teams, uh, better or worse, going into 2020 as far as a defense to either stay away from or maybe loosen the reins and you can maybe target? Yeah, I think you can kind of set a tier of – um, I'm just going to say it. the Patriots, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Baltimore, and Minnesota. Cause I think from like the seven to like probably 20 range, it's not that significant, but I think the, the top six only got better on defense. I know people are going to argue that new England's defense sucks because they don't have Tom Brady. Like there's no correlation there at all. They literally lost two linebackers and replaced them with four. So I don't, their defense is going to be good again. They brought back uh, both McCourty brothers who were elite last year. They still have Stephon Gilmore, the guy who shut down everyone but Devontae Parker for some reason. So I think that they're going to be good again. I think, but I think they're going to be overdrafted. We see this every year. That's why no one drafted. That's why I didn't draft the Bears defense last year because they were going in like the eighth round. Like, come on. Literally, if you just pull up any from top defense to the next year, from top defense to the next year, it never repeats or is anywhere close. So I think that – I mean, I'll probably rank him number one because like – maybe, or I might rank someone else there, but Pittsburgh only got better. Tampa Bay only got better. San Francisco only got better. Baltimore and Minnesota. So basically, I think what this means is just avoid those situations in terms of who you're playing against them at all costs, if you can. Obviously, don't sit Mahomes because he plays the Ravens, but like in certain situations, you can make those adjustment adjustments for who they play. And it takes about two or three weeks before we really find out who the best defense is, who we can start where, and vice versa so it's not like an immediate thing where you know right away um I mean we saw the Chiefs it took what six or seven games for us to realize that when they play at home Brashad Breland decides to cover people but when they're on the road he gets torched so to your point I want to mention really quick just fantasy DSTs and drafting from last year so I didn't really do any research on this per se uh but just off top I'm looking at this with with the comment you just made so I remember loving the Chargers last year as well before they got injured again for the second year they were the last one in the league but they were getting drafted as a top 10 defense last year going down the list here the Denver Broncos always get drafted as a top 10 defense um 
the Browns were kind of a sleeper defense. I think I drafted them in my league of record uh, because of their schedule early on, which didn't work out. And then, of course, the Chicago Bears, who were easily the number one defense two years ago. They were the number 23 defense last year. On the flip side, uh, Tampa Bay, nobody was considering them as a defense. San Francisco, maybe, but they weren't the Niners quite yet. Um, The Saints, Jets, and maybe even the Rams um, were not. Uh, getting drafted that high either. And all of those teams are in the top 10 there. So again, there's always fluctuation with this. And Lucas and I are not necessarily sitting here in May and telling you because of this schedule, here's who to draft, here's not who to draft. That's not our, our objective at all right now. We're just trying to get some perspective on what these schedules actually mean. And then frankly, we'll probably revisit this come August and act like heavy duty draft season and see where the ADPs are, see how training camp, if we have any, look, see how these rookies look, see how these defenses are molding in the new uh, – you know, teammates uh, end up in their new spot, and then we can maybe blaze through this again one time. But all right, so those are the top 10 fantasy defenses from 2019 that we may want to steer away from one way or another. And then here's some players in that list again Giants, Chiefs, Texans, Lions, Bengals, Jets, Redskins, Buccaneers, Titans, and Eagles have the toughest first four weeks of the season. So here are some quarterbacks that personally I'm going to pass on. And Lucas, I want to turn it over to you to see if you disagree with any of these guys. So these are drafting in single QB leagues. These are guys that I'm probably going to fade for one way or another. Daniel Jones, as much as I love him, I think he's going to fucking crush overall. I'm probably going to leave him on the waiver. I agree with Lucas. Deshaun Watson. I think I'm going to maybe pass on him unless he really falls, which I just don't think is going to happen. Joe Burrow. Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins, Ryan Tannehill, same things. And again, we've been loud and clear about Carson Wentz. Any of those names, Jones, Watson, Burrow, Darnold, Haskins, Tannehill, Wentz, you disagree and you would maybe find okay, even though the circumstances, they have some of the toughest four weeks to start the season. I think the only one would be Daniel Jones, if necessary. And by what I, what I mean by that is if your league is – uh, if you know, like if you play with them for a while, they will draft two quarterbacks and they won't drop them. Because obviously, like I said, you you don't reach on players and, and redraft. You just kind of have to feel out what's going to happen. Because to say you have a 12-team league and each person, each team drafts two quarterbacks, some draft three, and they never drop them because they're like, I'm going to need a backup quarterback. Then you go get a guy like Daniel Jones, who after week four, from week five to 16, has the easy, the third easiest schedule for passing efficiency on defense. But like I said – if it's a league where probably most redraft leagues where you hold two quarterbacks, if you, if the value's right, but most of the time you just hold your guy and then stream uh, or how, whatever works, go pick up Daniel Jones on waivers. This applies for a lot of players. They'll have easy schedule chunks and stuff like that. I think that, yeah, Watson is the main one, but I think people need to realize that we aren't without DeAndre Hopkins and what they filled the void with. I think Watson was going to stay pretty similar. I don't think that was going to change it. But I think due to those first four games, which I think are just brutal, I think they might go 0-4. Pretty strong chance they go 0-4. Now not having DeAndre Hopkins, the franchise is going to maybe give up on him. This is his contract year. Is he going to get fifth-year optioned? Stuff like that. Kind of, it does play into it a lot more in Dynasty. But in terms of redraft, I think in certain, certain circumstances, a.k.a. Bill O'Brien, it might apply this year. But Watson could easily be, like I said, from weeks 5 to 16, the ninth easiest in terms of pass efficiency. He could be a guy where maybe you go trade for him in week two or three. Don't plan on starting him, but you know that it's going to get better sooner. So we'll we'll obviously break down all that every single week like we did last year. But I think Watson is the one guy 
unless he's like – because I don't really know. I'm not really familiar with like redraft ADPs in terms of quarterback because that's kind of what your main focus has been lately, and I've just kind of switched over to redraft. So do you know – I don't want to say it's been like obnoxiously high, but like what has been the gap between, say, Russ and Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean, well, those two in particular are actually pretty close. But, you know, in redraft, you're, you're looking at Mahomes and, and uh, Lamar Jackson for sure in the first three rounds guaranteed mm-hmm. after that after that somebody might take a stab at Dak uh Kyler or Russell Wilson and maybe the fourth fifth sixth round after that though it usually falls to maybe the seventh eighth round to start looking at like even Russell Wilson even Dak and Kyler depending on the league um, because again redraft is just so different especially with single QB so honestly you're looking at maybe a two-round difference I would say between Russell Wilson and and um Deshaun Watson, and frankly, in my opinion, I'll take Russell Wilson all day. And I think you're are – you, are you giving me hope here that once the Texans go 0-4 and the Texans give up on him and Bill O'Brien sends another franchise guy away that maybe maybe Deshaun Watson ends up in San Francisco instead of Aaron Rodgers? Like, what should I expect next year? I, I To be honest, I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. Like, I, I didn't think that before I even looked at all the schedule and how this can play. I mean, here, I'll pull up the schedule real quick. But, yeah, I think that, like, it, it is bad. Like, they their win total, I think, is set at eight. Like, I probably will already go bet on it after this now that I actually, like, put it into perspective. <laughs> um, so, they – sorry, I need to look up. We just kind of no give a little Houston Texans breakdown here. Okay, so, like we said, the 0-4, Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, Vikings – then they go Jaguars, but if they're 0-4, is the hope going to be there? Then Titans, Packers, both teams I think are – Titans are probably equal. I think the Packers are still a good football team. Everyone thinks they suck because they didn't draft a receiver. Then they come out Jags, Browns. But by week 10, will the Browns be fixed? We can we would think so by then. Or maybe they're just hitting – Both road yeah. games too. And then you got Patriots. And then their playoff schedule is not bad, but like by then is it going to matter type thing? So I think that it's going to be – it's going to be – not good for the, the the Bob's Texans coming into this year. <laughs> they have the twenty uh, fourth twenty um, fourth most difficult uh, schedule for the uh, for the NFL season. All right, man. I am going to just wrap this up here with a couple names uh, on the other side that I'm looking to stream late. So of this group again, same teams: Giants, Chiefs, Texans, Lions, Bengals, Jets, Redskins, Bucks. Titans and Eagles of those teams there are certain quarterbacks you are drafting most likely and as much as we just piled on with Deshaun Watson he's fucking phenomenal and if his receivers stay healthy and if David Johnson is worth a shit and if their defense can stay healthy maybe again they spit in our face too and they're awesome I don't think it happens the first four weeks but it could be awesome so let's say people obviously are drafting Deshaun Watson you're drafting Patrick Mahomes obviously um most people are going to be uh uh, drafting um, Tom Brady, obviously, as well. And most people are going to be drafting Carson Wentz early in the first 10 rounds of a uh, redraft league. So there's a couple other names here, though. You already mentioned Daniel Jones. We've talked about that a lot. Matty Stafford. Let's not forget that Matt Stafford uh, was on pace to be the uh, third quarterback in the league behind Lamar and Dak in fantasy points per game last year. I love him. He's a streamer, obviously, if you don't end up drafting him somehow. like I like him a lot. And then we have Joe Burrow, who you can maybe pick up late, who we mentioned already. And then Ryan Tannehill. And as much as I'm not a fan of Carson Wentz, if he does stay healthy and if you're able to stream him and he's somehow on your waivers, you can pick him up because he is that talented. And if they're able to work out, that would be great. Anybody else you're looking to maybe stream late, either due to fantasy playoff schedule or um, any other reason that you're maybe going to not draft, but you're looking to pick up off of waivers come week five, six. 
I don't know. It's tough. I haven't like dug, dug in too much. Um, oh gosh. I, I don't know. I think Deshaun Watson might be a trade target for me. I know it's not waivers, but it's still a similar concept. Same idea. Sure. Yeah. Um, Daniel Jones will probably be the big one. I think that he'll unlock that rushing upside by I then. Agree. I think his offense will be hitting there. Okay. I don't know. I don't like to trade for quarterbacks that much, just in terms of how I play. I kind of like – I don't want to say map it out to where um, I don't need to. Like, if I have to hold five quarterbacks, I will, in terms of, like, if one plays the Dolphins, next plays the Dolphins. Like, it's the same with defenses. I think, I think Watson, Jones – um, like you said, Matt Stafford, I think that even with a tough schedule, they're going to throw the ball so much, it's not going to matter. Um, but I don't know. Besides the rest of the list, it's kind of tough. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think if I had to narrow it down to the final two, Watson and Jones for sure. Awesome. I agree with you. I think that's going to be great. And Daniel Jones is definitely a guy that I either maybe just draft late and hold on to him or I'd be targeting later on. So I agree. All right, my man. Well, that wraps up the uh, fantasy schedules for the quarterbacks. Uh, Again, tomorrow we're going to dive into our rankings for the quarterbacks, our initial rankings for May. And then we are going to get into a mock draft on Thursday. The first real mock draft. We did one kind of on YouTube a few weeks ago, but uh, it just – it wasn't a, a real mock. It was before the draft, and we were just kind of anxious to do it. But uh, this will be our first official mock draft here on the channel. We'll be sharing that, of course, on YouTube, and then a podcast, of course, you can see that, and we'll be posting about it on IG as well. All right, my brother, we're going to get out of here, get into the rankings tomorrow. Again, appreciate everybody super supporting the podcast for 200 episodes. We're excited to turn the page here with 201, 202, and 203 this week. Running backs, receivers, and tight ends coming up over the next month. We're very excited. Make sure that you have subscribed to the channel here on YouTube. You leave a comment and let us know who you're excited to draft based on their fantasy schedule for fantasy football. Maybe some players that you're looking to turn away from because of either the playoff schedule or the early draft schedule, some streamers, whatever style you play. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod. You can also find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Join our fantasy, uh, the T- Candles to Kids Fantasy Football group on Facebook, of course, and then leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to our podcast. And of course, we have a lot of updates coming on tckpod.com. We are going to have our draft guide dropping July 6th. And we're going to have our TCK Pod Listener League applications open July 20th. We will have pre-orders and a date for you on that coming up very shortly once we figure out what we're going to do on that side. But until then, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Let's get into 300 episodes. And for Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.